Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today I have Coach Caleb, and I'm not even going to try to say his last name. Caleb, you say you say your last name. <laughs> uh, Kostanuk. We Kost- won't get into the spelling. Look, Caleb, you know I struggle with words. Like there's uh, Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Wor- Worcestershire? Dang it. No, it's you? not Worcestershire. It's They're Worcestershire. So Same boat. That's not it. Um <laughs> but I've practiced it. Do you know what other word I had to practice? No idea. Because it was really popular. Uh, charcuterie. Charcuterie boards. That's a tough one. Charcuterie. That is a tough one. Especially yeah. when you've only seen it written on like social mm. media or Pinterest. And then yeah. I I literally had to look that one up and then practice it a while. So there's hope for Worcestershire. Do you use it a lot? Look, I am a woman who lives in Utah, so yes. Charcuterie yes. big. Charcuterie boards are abundant. Uh-huh. Will <laughs> <laughs> and I know right now like half of my listeners who are in Utah are laughing because they're like, yep. <laughs> At almost every function, there will be some kind of charcuterie board. Usually people, you know, put cheese and and uh, chips and stuff like that on it. But I have found that I get a far better reaction when it's full of like uh, like Reese's and pretzels, maybe Pop Tarts. Is that, that is that still? Be. Is it is the definition of charcuterie just that it has to be served on like a wooden the cheese board. board? I feel like it's not it kind the meat, of the smoked meats. And it, it's I feel like we've taken it and we've given it a better meaning in life. Yeah, that's what we've done. To be honest, though, I would way rather eat a Reese's cup than a thinly sliced cured piece of meat and a cheese I can't mm-hmm. pronounce. Yes. Yeah. That is why we are Instagram friends. If anybody <laughs> was wondering, that yeah. is why. And also because Caleb, you and I share uh, a love of emotional traumatic music. Am I right? Emo. Yeah. We like to reopen the trauma wounds of our youth. <laughs> <laughs> Via the sonic airways. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Kate, what were you like in high school, Caleb? Were you like me? I was a, I was a weird punk girl. I had black, purple hair. People could not, like, my husband told me, he's like, look, if I met you in high school, I would have thought you were weird. Yeah. And I'm like, really? But you would have been slightly attracted to the weird girl, right? And he's like, maybe. <laughs> Oh man. There's an if there. I, I hit grade 10, which is the beginning of high school in Canada, uh, full force wearing girl jeans and studded yes. belts. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, I had my hair swooping in front. Of course. Pete went style. Oof. Yep. Nailed it. And I was like very quick to separate myself from the preps or the chotches, mm. as we called them. What are uh, chotches? Are chotches the preppy frosted people? tips. Uh, oh. You know, That's kind of the only way I know how to describe them without like referencing specific clothing brands that were big in my high school. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was a typical emo kid. Uh, I stopped shy of like painting my nails black. But I mean, I may as well You did. You might, you should have just embraced it. Yeah, it was was probably more authentic to me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Do you know what's funny is my little boy Link came down the stairs. He's he's three. He came down the stairs the other day and he had these black like nails. His sisters had painted his nails black. And I was like, oh, like Like, my my heart when I was 16 I envisioned this day we just we just need a emo emotionally traumatized child hopefully hopefully I won't give him the trauma but um (laughs) it was so cute it was so cute oh man that's amazing I love it well I had you on here for another reason than just to rehash through our you know emo days um (laughs) And charcuterie board preferences. Yeah. So I I mentioned this when we were DMing back and forth on Instagram that you can always tell how long a coach has been working with actual people Mm -hmm. because they start moving away from this is just about like preaching about nutrition, 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 Mm -hmm. and they start seeing the real problems 
of why people are even seeking them out to begin with yeah. kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like your Instagram account has taken this like turn of just some really quality information. So I'll, I'll link oh, your account you. in the notes so that people can follow you. Great. Only if you post an emo picture of you. I'm just kidding. No. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, kidding. like, I definitely would, but I don't think I have any. I mean, I can, here's the thing though. I can probably do it up. I can probably change myself. Like <laughs> my hair is really like, all I need to do is comb it forward and down and I'm there. There so, you go. We'll there get you there. Go. No problem. Jeans are still tight. It's all good. There you go. What about the belt? I found mine a few years ago when I was going through stuff. I had a white one and a black one. That's how hardcore. Oh man. Lindsay I, think was. I, had, I had a bracelet <laughs> and a belt. That was my Ooh. claim to fame. Um, <laughs> and I played in a band, of course. Oh, what? Uh, but yeah, this what do is, you play? This is guitar. Oh, okay. Natural, okay. Now natural. we'll get back. We'll get back to okay. it. Guitar. Awesome. <laughs> So you've transitioned. Let's, let's talk about you as a, as a coach though, transitioning, um, and the style and your emphasis and kind of talk to us about what made you want to kind of change your focus and what is that new focus for my listeners? Basically I had been training people for a good period of time. Like, um, I mentioned before we did this, that I had worked in finance and that was actually in between when I first started as a personal trainer and then kind of like stayed with it while I went another career direction and then came back um, after doing like the N1 courses and stuff. Yeah, I just found that over time, the number one thing that I was dealing with with people was more about them coming to me and kind of like they're communicating a problem, right? And and they're they're communicating this in many different ways. And it's kind of always about like, how do I change my body? Um, how do I get these results? Right. And, and most of the time I'm dealing with fat loss, body composition changes in that direction. Occasionally there's muscle growth stuff. Um, but I found that within all of that, as I was working with people, the number one difficulty is creating these things in a way that's sustainable, right? And, or I should say creating sustainable results. Cause like in my recent posts, I've kind of talked about the difference between sustainably creating results and creating sustainable results. Um, but basically it's, it's all kind of mental. And I mean, it's hard to say that as a coach, because I am not a therapist, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that. But it is really quite glaring when you continue to work with people, how much this keeps coming up. And um, to kind of like, I know I'm kind of abstracting here a little bit. So to bring it in a little bit more into um, like a literal example, it's just like the simple idea of a client comes to you and maybe they haven't had a great week, right? Like they haven't hit their macros and they haven't, or maybe something's come up at work and they have to, you know, shift gears. And I kept getting faced with this, like, okay, client made a so-called mistake in their off plan for this week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's kind of that off plan or off track is the key word here. Cause I started to question like, are they really off track? Like when we go off track, are we actually getting off track or is that just part of the track? And the more that I started questioning, like, is everything that we're doing here, the mistakes that go like completely reverse course where it's just like, oh no, this was a bad week objectively. What can we really learn from that? And what is it actually telling us? So it's more of that idea of like, we're engaging with this process in a different way to see what everything tells us. And it's not strictly about kind of always moving the needle forward toward the goal. And it's hard to say that too, because, you know, people don't pay me to just like wax poetic about what's going on <laughs> yeah. with their, uh, you know, with the process. But it was just kind of an interesting thing with me. And, you know, a lot of questions about, is my body broken? Why can't I ever get there? Why is this so challenging in this way? And it really started to kind of become clear to me when I started really opening up space for that to be part of the process, rather than for that to be something alien that needs to be kind of excised and thrown away for us to continue moving towards the goal. Did that make sense? It it does. <laughs> As a coach who hears a lot of the same things, right? Mm -hmm. Is my body broken? Uh, I just 
don't have the discipline. I can't do this, right? I, I hear that all the time. And and the questioning of like, why can't I? Everybody else can. Yeah. Why can't I? And that that comparison. There's this like, it's funny that you bring up discipline because I think that there is a, and you know, we've seen there's a, like more of an extreme polarized movement towards discipline in, in the fitness space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's so easy for the coach in a way to communicate their values around fitness to someone and push someone into that realm of kind of like, here are my values. This is kind of what I've seen work for many people. And that's established my value set. And discipline is often a part of that, right? It's like you need discipline. But then I started wondering, I'm like, these people that are, that I'm working with are like rocking their career rocking their family. They are amazing at what they They do. They have discipline. And so then, yeah, exactly. It's like, so is this a discipline problem or is this a value misalignment problem? And, and that's kind of where I get at it with. And so what I, I guess the way to really focus in on like what my changing perspective has been is that I'm really, as a coach trying to use, you know, what we all, all coaches kind of want to do is use evidence-based approaches to move someone to their goal. But with that, I'm trying to hold space for that person to discover what their values are for fitness without trying to muddy the waters with what I think is right for fitness, you know, as a, as an entirety. And, you know, my life may be very different than theirs or my values and that, yeah, that's going to change the pace that they go. It's going to change the way things look. But I actually think that that space holding is more important than trying to really mold them into any value set that's not their own. That's really powerful. Actually, I, I think that the value helping them um, find their own values Mm -hmm. and it has to be tied to education too. Yeah. And I, I kind of want you to dive a little bit deeper into that. So when you mm-hmm. say values, what type of health fitness values are you referring to? I think like a really good example of health and fitness values that makes it easy to understand is like, you know, the idea of like vegan diets, right? Like if you are, you know, um, following a vegan diet, let's say that you're following it because of ethical reasons, right? Because yeah. you have a certain ethical view. That to me is like a value that that person holds that must be maintained through the process. And, you know, uh, even me admittedly as a coach back in the day when I was younger, I would say things like vegan diets are unhealthy. So, you know, you can't do that if you're going to work with me type thing. Whereas that obviously has, my tune has very much changed because I don't believe that at all. But I also believe that even if I had a certain value set around that, it's not my responsibility to change that client's viewpoint. My responsibility is to educate that client as best I can on how to create fitness within their value system, right? We're all different people. We all have different values. I think that things would be pretty boring if we didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that like we need a little bit of space for that to unravel within the fitness journey. I love that you brought that up. The other day I was on an account that I really, really like, like minimalists or something. I really, really like them. I just can't remember their name. Um, But it was something about, it's like a minimalist account that I follow. I just love them. But they had on there a man that they were interviewing and he's all about the carnivore diet. And he was talking uh, negatively about vegan diets and all of the vitamins, minerals that they're lacking in their diet. And I felt the need, all these vegans were getting on there being like, Hey, (laughs) and I felt the need as a non-vegan to get on there and be like, uh, I think like any diet can be unhealthy. Any diet can be missing vitamins, minerals, essential elements. Any of Mm -hmm. them can be. Yeah. It totally like the vegans that I know do it for ethical reasons and they are very educated in how they do it. Yeah. So I love that you that you talk about that. And but that's probably I, I agree with you in that that takes maturity to kind of get to a point where, hey, you have different value systems than I do. And that's okay. We're gonna find within 
the realm of yours, how we can hit your goals. But also I kind of wanted to bring up, sometimes I feel like people have great goals, Mm -hmm. but they don't, their goals don't align with their values. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Can you kind of guess where I'm going with that one, Caleb? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think think I can. Have Have you seen that same thing? Definitely. I might have a different example in mind and and be connecting different dots. But I mean, that's a really interesting one too, because I think that in coaching, we're so often wanting to, you know, like like a coach may see that, right? From the get-go, as we're kind of alluding to even, it's like, okay, this person has this goal and then maybe their values are different. So maybe they're, you know, I think that that's common in like your actions don't align with what you want type thing. That could be one part of it. I think also there are goals that, um, you know, maybe perpetuate values that are currently being lived out that aren't necessarily that person's too, um, Mm -hmm. or that maybe are a little bit extreme. But the way that I kind of, and, and this is again, kind of coming back to the way I've changed things is I'm really trying in those situations to not be like a dissenting voice to them and to let that process unfold because I think that there's value in the learning of it. Mm, That's good. That's really good. Again, like I'm very careful because I think that with the direction I'm going, a common question could be like, well, what are you here for? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like if if you're not going to tell me that, you know, I'm not acting the way to get to to 6% body fat or or 12% body fat or whatever, if you're not going to tell me that, what are you here for? And it's like, well, you know, I'm really about trying to solve, like, that's not the puzzle I'm trying to solve. Like there are people out there, um, that can get you to 6% body fat and tell you what to do, um, to get there and, and can have that kind of voice. But what I'm really trying to do is help you to get to a point where, um, you can be at a body fat that you're happy with. Like, so I'm kind of like, rather than saying, look, this goal isn't aligned with your values. Let's bring up your actions and get you to that goal. I'm more like, why is this goal important to you? And do you really want to meet that? Mm -hmm. Let's keep moving towards it. See where the like barriers are. And as we kind of come to an understanding, maybe the goal changes or maybe there's a self-acceptance of what it's really going to take to get there. Mm -hmm. That's really good. We Sometimes we have to go to extremes and maybe even hit the goal to realize this doesn't align with my values and this isn't what I want for the long term. Yeah. But we have to, like, I love that because as much as I can tell somebody, look, everything that you just told me about the lifestyle that you love, that you don't want to give up, I can, it, it doesn't align with this goal that you want. And I can tell you that but it's not until you live it that you finally accept it. And when you accept it, it, that there's this misalignment, then you can almost detach from the desire of having it. And releasing that desire of having it is this like beautiful freeing moment. I talk about this a lot because it is so important to kind of, to release yourself because frustration is really going to happen when you're not releasing it, when you're gripping on it so tightly and you're like, no, 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 I want it. I want it. I want it. But yet you don't want it because it doesn't align with all these other values you have. And you need to finally release it to be free of it. Mm -hmm. And I see that a lot. That's such a great example too, of like, of the process that I'm kind of talking about of discovering someone, like we're trying to discern the values of this person. Right. And Unfortunately, that's generally like a really common way of learning your value is when you're like, like you said, you're like squeezing so tight and then all of a sudden it kind of, you know, maybe it falls apart or maybe you get there and you're like, oh, right. Or you burn out after all these. And like a lot of this is coming from my fitness journey of like what I've done as well. And I was really resonating with clients who are kind of on that like roller coaster of like they get there but then it doesn't stick and then they get there and it doesn't stick over and over and over again. Yeah. I just found that what you were just talking about and what you were just saying about that is, is basically exactly what I'm talking about in terms of like that epiphany of like, this is not my value or this is my value. And then Mm -hmm. you kind of get that release and that, that feeling and sensation of, of alignment. Yeah. 
I love that. Recently, you had a post that I kind of want to talk about because you said stop working against your body and start working with your body. And I, the first page you say, are you angry, frustrated, or just flat out pissed off at your body for not looking the way you want it to? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I feel like you just described 99% of my new clients mm-hmm. and even those that are working with me yeah. uh, they, where they live in that state of frustration. So Talk to us a little bit about that post. Yeah, so that's that's a good, um, thanks for bringing up that post because it's kind of a, a culmination of what I've been working towards. And if anyone's kind of checking out my Instagram, you'll see that a lot of what I've been doing is really focused on like connection to the body. Um, and that's just an important part of this, I think. But it started out like the seed of it was planted for me because it was like, these are the two main things I see happen with clients as we go through a goal. And like, there is a third result, which is like, everything goes really well, but that's so uncommon. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you get your results, you get everything that you wanted. But when you stand in front of the mirror and look at it, you can't see it. Yes. Like that's actually a common thing. Yes. Right? And it, And it's like this idea that your perception is everything. And so if you can get a six pack or or like I, like one time I did, um, with like a really popular fitness company, they're great at transformations. This was when I was banking. I went from like 25% body fat to sub 10% body fat in two months. And if you're hearing that, you know that that's like not, not a good thing. What I did to do that was not good. And I looked terrible in my opinion at the time too. I kept messaging my coach and I was like, what's going on? Why don't I look better? Like, why can't I see my abs? And it's like, you know, that there's a can of worms there that everyone looks very different at different places. Yeah. And then the backlash of that was horrible. And I found N1 through that. So I'm very thankful. Mm, yeah. um, but That's awesome. that idea came to me, like just thinking about like, I never saw that. Now, when I look at photos of me from that, I'm like, wow, like that was a great physique. Like right? I look really good, but I did not see that at all. And then the other one that is very common is you get your results, you do see it, but you've moved the goalpost. Yes. And now it's no longer giving you, so you're never actually getting what you set out to get. There's a name for that. Um, It's basically where you will, you'll be satisfied for a good two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the the dissatisfaction, almost like your happiness level goes right back down to baseline. So it's, it's fascinating. Have you heard of that before? I can't remember the name of it. I've heard of it, but I have no idea what the the good name of it is. Basically what these psychologists have said is that everybody has this baseline happiness. Mm -hmm. And when you buy a new purchase, like everybody knows how that feels. You get a new car, you get a new shirt, you think you look awesome in it. You wear that shirt for two weeks, you're still feeling awesome. And then week three, you're kind of like, huh. You know, like nothing changed, literally nothing changed. And yet now when you put on the shirt, it's like, huh, maybe I need a new one because the baseline goes back down. And I feel like that, that, and then you seek out for that quote unquote new shirt. Yeah. And I feel like that's what so many people experience with the body. It is almost mind blowing. And for me as a coach, that's actually a hard thing where I have hard conversations with people because I'm like, you don't know what's going on because you're living in it. It's hard to read the label from the inside, but I'm out here reading the label and let me tell you what's going on. The goalpost keeps moving uh, and, and you're still kind of chasing that, that happiness. And there's a little bit of a body dysmorphia. I think everybody experiences it to some degree. And we go in and out of experiencing it, depending on what we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. I'm recording a lot of new content for I'm making some changes to my app. I'm upgrading some things and uh, I'm recording a lot of new content. And when I pull up those videos, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I'm looking at it from like, will people be impressed <laughs> with my <laughs> muscles? So, so yeah. much that they'll want to pay me to, you know, you, you think about these things. And it's interesting because I, I'm kind of coming at it with a little bit more scrutiny because of what I'm planning on doing with these videos. Mm-hmm. And I found myself, sorry, Caleb, I feel like I'm venting. This has a point, no, but please do. I I found myself kind of 
being like, oh, I'm not as shredded. My arms don't look as good as they they normally do. Mm-hmm. I had this woman write to me this morning saying, you look shredded. What are you doing? And I was like, whoa, perception <laughs> is everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Yeah. At what point is Lindsay shredded? I don't know because I have a different perception than the woman at the gym, than the woman, like than you, yeah. like just all of it. It's so, it's so hard when that goalpost keeps moving, our perception just changes week to week, depending on what's going on in our lives. Yeah. What's going on all around. And it's interesting. So I'll kind of bring up another point that I've been starting to post on too is uh, like yesterday I made a post about um, being process oriented versus goal oriented. Mm -hmm. I think what's really interesting about what we're talking about is both of those things are still leading to the same result, right? Like you're either focused on the end or the means, right? In In the kind of means to an end. And so like, I'm kind of proposing, and this is kind of the direction that I'm trying to take it and why I think the body is such an important part of it is to be more oriented to the experience of what we're doing. Right. And, and kind of like really, so instead of fitness being, and this is another phenomenon that I've kind of noticed that ties into this is so often I feel like fitness is a barrier to people's in people's minds to them living their life. Oh yeah. When I am lean, I will go to the beach and have this awesome vacation or I will wear this piece of clothing that I have or whatever, right? Then I'll feel good in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. Or then I'll feel, you know, whatever. It's always like, kind of like a, if when I'm fit, this will occur. Yeah. I think that we can be a lot more sustainable in our approach to fitness if we can kind of just be like, well, instead of fitness being the gate that I have to kind of unlock and solve before I can live life that way, can't I just like use it to live my life and like experience my life through this vessel of fitness? And it's like, yeah, I care about, I still care about being lean and healthy and strong and building muscle and like wanting to look a certain way, but I'm not tied to that end result. And we like what we just talked about is like, even if you get there and you are happy, you have like two to three weeks there and then the goalpost will move. It's like, maybe if we're not ever so fixated on that end result so much and we're just like, yeah, like the experience is it. I once read the Stephen King series, The Dark Tower. It's like seven crazy books. I remember, I'm not going to give away the end for anyone that's reading it. Um, but <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, I read these seven, like thousand page books and near the end, he asks this question of the reader of kind of like, look, like this is about to come to a close. Are How much are you putting on these next few paragraphs of like the end? You just read seven books that are a thousand pages And you're going to kind of evaluate everything on the end. Like, wasn't the whole point that you were reading it and enjoying it and having the experience with Mm -hmm. these characters. And it's kind of the same idea as we go through fitness is like, let's not discount all it takes and like what we can learn through that. And then with the relationship to the body, there can be a profound change in the way that you relate to yourself and your body. And then that can make fitness easier for you too. Mm, That is a beautiful way to put it. That is really, really good. I just pulled up that post here um, where it's talking about, yeah, you get to the same end, Mm -hmm. but how you felt along the way is dramatically different. Yeah. Right? Where one of them is like, I have to get there to find happiness. The other one is I am finding happiness through this process. Yeah. Because I'm I'm doing hard things. I'm testing myself. I'm growing internally. It, it, it's a totally different process. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I would say almost that the goal shifts from happiness necessarily to more of a meaning. Mm, that's good. Right? Like I'm finding meaning through the process. And then because like happiness, I always view as like it's a state, right? And as any state of mind, it's elusive. It, it, it's really hard to maintain. And probably the more you squeeze on it, the harder it is to get there. And, and I just find that there can be great meaning in asking my client, like, look, um, I know that this thing happened at work, but you know, this isn't off track. Like this is something that you're going to have to deal with in your life. And if you want to be fit forever, 
you know, and, and have a good relationship with fitness and feel good, we're going to have to be able to, to manage these things. And so, yeah, you might not be progressing and, and losing all the weight or losing all the body fat or building all the muscle this week or this month, but you're still engaging and you're learning how to deal with it right now. And that's meaningful and that matters. And then when this, you know, goes away, you all of a sudden have all these skills that were tested in the fire, you know, and, and that's, that's always like something that I find very meaningful. It's pretty amazing. It's almost like a little slingshot when, the, when all the stress relieves from the client and they've been working pretty hard, but not in a way that burns them out. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to go over one other, uh, post that you did recently that I really liked too when you said the first page of it, for those that check out your Instagram account, says, here's what's wrong with your, my body. <laughs> and and I love this. I'm going to read just a little bit about this. Sure. It's like, let me try that again. Here's what's wrong with the phrase, your, my body. In actuality, nothing, but bear with me for the sake of my argument. The phrase, your body or my body implies possession. Um, from where I'm sitting, our bodies are less our possessions and more so our companions. Why do you feel it's important to kind of make that distinguish, dis, distinguishment? Distinction. Distinction. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> just yeah, no come, problem. <laughs> just come on all of my podcasts and correct my English. I don't have my husband with me. So <laughs> I feel like that would be a great little person to have in the corner. Just like as, you're so like, oh, nice. what's that word? And then you just come in with it. It's perfect. I love it. So back to kind of the discipline thing that we were talking about, right? This idea that we can discipline ourselves to our results. And I view discipline as it's interesting. And I don't worry, I'll get back to the body thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But discipline is this very powerful tool. And I'm using my like verbiage very carefully here because it is a tool. I'm trying to keep the morality of it out, meaning that mm. discipline can be very positive and it can do very positive things. It can also lead us to have very negative things, right? Yeah. Like it, I could be very disciplined and eat 1000 calories a day for three months. That would be a disaster. Bad. It would right? be bad. So, yes. So we need to be careful around that. But what I think so, what I've also seen so often with clients and coaches is this idea that the body is this enigma that presents us with a puzzle that we need to solve to get it to do what we want. Let's just take a very simple example. I am trying to lose weight. So when I look at the body, I could be like, well, in order to lose weight and make sure that this is happening, I'm going to lower calories, right? And we're going to create a calorie deficit. Then we start losing weight. And then maybe the client starts to, let's say, move less unconsciously and the deficit's no longer working, right? Like we need to mm -hmm. lower calories again or increase activity or something along those lines. And I just find that as you continue to go down that path, you are really viewing the body as like this outside thing that we're trying to control. It's like, I want to change my body. And we're very disassociated from our bodies. But like my view is that the body is like, I mean, it's the linchpin of fitness. Like if you don't have a body, we're not doing fitness. <laughs> yeah. And um, the way that I like to view it and that I like to show it to my clients is it's, it's more about working with. So like, let's say that we have that same example where the body kind of stops responding, right? And it's like, yeah, we can simply just look at the data and pull plugs and pull levers and change things to keep it going. And like, of course, this isn't, none of this is bad when we're in the scope of like normalcy. It's just when these extremes get pushed, people start getting lost in that. Whereas I think that it can be very helpful. And you know, this is often when people come to me and they're like, I've tried so many things. My body feels broken. What's going yes. on? And it's like, well, let's look at it this way. Your body is like, let's communicate with your body. It's telling you something. It is, view it as like an entity with a consciousness is kind of like the game that I want to play with it. Or it's like, okay, like what if your kid, what if you had a kid and it wasn't doing what you were wanting? Would you be like, look here, kid, you're going to eat less and lose weight or I am going like, you know, we're going to do this mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. You behave the way I want you to, or are you going to try to understand it a little more? 
Mm. And I know that that's kind of like abstract and like woo woo ish to look at Mm -hmm. our bodies that way. But I, I really do believe that because it's, it's like, I'm saying, regardless, we might make the same decisions as a coach and as a client to keep going with things, but sometimes it can be really important to just give that empowerment to the relationship between the client and their own body, because it starts to build some internal resources, right? Of like my, I'm feeling tired. What is my body telling me rather than I'm feeling tired? Like, let's get some caffeine. Like, how can I stop being tired? Mm-hmm. Right. And so you're kind of just shifting that perspective a little bit. And I think by getting people to relate to their bodies in that way, it creates a little bit more compassion, a little bit more grace to for when the body fails to give us what we need. And that expands our timeline a little bit with what we're working with and just gives a little bit more understanding. And I do think that there is this common phenomenon that when people come to me wanting to lose weight, and you've probably experienced this too, Lindsay, is like, we're often a last, like it's, we're not always the first coach. We're, and like at our level of like kind of the way we work with people, we might be maybe like the kind of last ditch effort, right? To like, oh, if I, if this doesn't work, what's, what's going to happen? And I think that people bring a lot of anger towards their body when they come with that, right? Because it is tough. And like, that's the thing I can really empathize with the idea of like, what, what is my body doing to me? Why won't you just cooperate? And yeah, so that's kind of where that idea of possession versus companionship is coming from is just like, is our body something that we just have and we need to control and it's just ours to control? Or is our body something that's kind of more communicating with us and giving us feedback and doing these things with us and for us along the way? Um, I really just think that that shift in perspective can do wonders. And uh, as a coach, holding space for that to, to unfold, right? And if a client comes and they're like, I'm just so mad at my body this week, just throwing up some devil's advocacy to really help them understand like what what's being communicated here and what what can we do to move into a relationship that's cooperative and i will do things like you know we're pushing in a deficit and they're like look like if i really think about what my body needs it just needs rest and slow movement and it's like cool we're going to do that and we're not just going to trust it we're going to test it in the data and yeah. But usually what happens is you give them that and then all of a sudden things start to look better. And so it's kind of just another data point that we get to add. But something like magical happens in the way that people relate to their body and they get this like surge of energy going through the process again. And that's really a beautiful thing. I love that. There is There are so many studies too showing just our words matter, that mm-hmm. our thought processes uh, are we positive, negative, going through uh, fat loss or even building muscle or even people who were, they were told that they were taking steroids that the, um, have you seen that one? That no. one was super fascinating. Told they were taking steroids and all of a sudden it started smashing through all their PRs. Oh, yeah, I have They're seen that growing one. muscle like crazy. Mm-hmm. There is so much that comes back to the mind. And I've found that too. Sometimes I don't want to peg somebody and say that they're not going to hit their goals or they are going to hit their goals. But I will say as a coach, when I'm onboarding somebody, the way that they talk about themselves and the process usually tells me how quickly they're going to hit their goals and um, if they don't give up on the on the along the way. Mm. So I'm a huge fan of instead of like, oh, my body's not doing what it should be. That's fighting against something. And in life, I'm actually not about fighting against things. I'm I'm about working with things. That's usually how we see progress. And um, so if you start working with the body instead of fighting it, well, what is it telling you? I love how you said that. Like instead of looking at it as the enemy, because that translates into our mind and the way we think about it, the way we treat it, mm-hmm. um, instead of looking at it as the enemy, looking at it as a friend who's trying to talk to you, what does it need? And I love that you brought up how to respond to a child. <laughs> yeah. Because you said that and instantly my mind goes to my cute three-year-old Link. And if he's not behaving the way I want to, 
when I'm my best self, (laughs) I'm not going to, I'm not going to be like, (laughs) no, do this because what will link do? Well, link is a lot like his mom and link will be like, no, just because you said that, like, I don't respond well to that. But if you get down and you speak to me on my level and you explain why, and you seek for understanding today, I even had a little a thing with Alex because a little frustration point with Alex because I was expressing myself and instead of him just sitting down with me and being like, I'm going to be in this moment with you. I'm going to ask like, well, why are you feeling that way? What does that bring up for you? Instead of that, he was like, solutions, solutions. And I'm like, I don't want solutions. (laughs) Yeah. I want you to just sit in this with me And I feel like sometimes that's what the body wants too, is for you to just take a moment, sit down with it and be like, why are you feeling like, what are you trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so learning to work with the body, I really do think is a, is a beautiful thing. I, I absolutely love that. I've been looking through a lot of your stuff, even as you're talking right now, I'm pulling (laughs) up a few other of your, um, your posts. And I feel like there's so much that we could go into here, but um, I'm just going to, strongly encourage uh, my listeners, uh, check Caleb out, check his information out, talk to him. You know, if so many women are sick of fighting against their bodies, they're so Mm -hmm. sick of hating what they see. Do you know what's incredible though? Caleb, you're from, you're from Canada? Yeah. Is that where you're from? Okay. Well, my husband's from California. We go there all the time. Do you know what's incredible? When you go to the beach in California, there are women of all different sizes and body types and they walk around with pride Mm -hmm. in like next to nothing. And they are just, they just, you can see it. Mm -hmm. The ones that accept and love their body, Mm -hmm. all different sizes and shapes. Yeah. And I was talking to a friend and she goes, I'm so jealous. What's incredible about that, Caleb, is this friend of mine. She is so petite, so tiny. So many women would die to look like her. And it just kind of shows that it's all so much of the battle is in the mind. Yeah. So much of it. And that that reminds me of actually a post that I I made this post months ago, maybe even a year ago, and I never posted it because it just didn't, I wasn't ready to put this out into the world. But it's funny because I had said something about like, when you learn to accept your body and like you really get to that place where you're accepting and loving your body, the transformation that you're after has already occurred and everything Mm -hmm. else is just like a labor of love. That's beautiful. It's funny because the body acceptance movement is is extremely on base like that that is where it's at and from that place you know you can move into health and you can move into these these things and like it's not i don't think that it's wrong for us to want to see our bodies look a certain way it's just when we base so much in that and put so much on ourselves for that that it can just you know as as we know it feels horrible but yeah, I just love that that anecdote about like people, there are women out there that are just like so wearing it and they're proud and that's just who they are and they're confident in their skin. And, you know, that's kind of, I think that that's important to see that that's separate from the way that we look and perceive ourselves to look. And um, yeah, it also reminds me of a, a quote from the like Swiss psychiatrist, Carl Jung, he has this quote that's like, where there is the will to power, there is not love. That is something that is like kind of that possession versus companionship model again of like, if we are seeking power over something, that's not love. And it's just an interesting thing to kind of think about and try to understand when we're looking at our bodies, right? If we're trying to seek power over it, are we really enacting love? It's a little bit of a brain scramble. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like some people live in a world of either or two. Yes. You either have to take your body exactly the way it is, love it. It it can't change at all because the changing of it to make it look a certain way, that means you didn't love it. 
Yes. So you can't do that, right? So some people live over there and then others are on the opposite side of the extreme where they're saying, well, I'm not going to love it until it looks a certain way. And wisdom is always found somewhere in between that it is, I love my son, Link, Mm -hmm. my favorite child. Don't tell my girls. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm only a little kidding, but anyways, he's just so cute at three. That's like such a fun age for me. Yeah. But um, I love Link so much. I am so excited to watch him just blossom Mm -hmm. in life. But I love him so much that I don't want him to stay stagnant. I want him to progress and to learn and to grow. And I think it is 100% possible to love your body so much, accept exactly where it is today, and then say, I'm going to use my body as a tool to, I love how you said meaning, Mm -hmm. to find greater meaning, to, I'm going to use this process as a tool to push myself so I can further expand and learn and grow. Yeah. Not as a means to an end, but as a companionship through this traveling process of growth. And even I would add to, to even express my values. Yeah. Right? Like we, yeah. like if you want to like, like for instance, I think of our friend like Val. Yeah. Val is, is a competitive. Sparty. Yeah competitive physique athlete like that is and and most competitive physique athletes at the pro level it's like that's an expression of of your values there right like that's something you love and you're you're doing that so it's just like there are so many ways um and it's just funny because like you can do the exact same thing in a different way and that can give it completely different meaning yes 100 percent. i watch people um, use many processes in life of learning and growing. It doesn't have to be the body, right? It doesn't have to be. Now, I do think everybody should find health because that's just going to maximize their ability in other aspects of their life. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that um, there are a lot of women out there who shouldn't be seeking physique goals because it will actually pull away from their happiness, not add to it. I've seen that in coaching as I'm sure you have. And not just women, men too. Yeah. Right? So Alex has found, he enjoyed, my husband did uh, some competitions and he enjoyed the process Mm -hmm. and he learned some things about it, about himself um, through that process. But uh, he doesn't have a six pack all year, but he's enjoying life and he goes to the gym, loves lifting and isn't super focused on his physique. Whereas I take it to a little bit more of like, I love hitting those goals with my physique, Mm -hmm. but, but not at the expense of my mind because my mind will always be with me and I, I want to take care of it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, uh, I love that because it's just, an, again, like that's kind of where I really want to guide people is like, let's do fitness the way that you need to do fitness to make it the best possible complement to your life. Mm, yep. That's a beautiful way to put it. Right. And if, if it becomes a bigger part of your life, like it is for you and I, then that's wonderful. And that's part of who we are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, most of the people that I work with and that you work with are probably not there. No. And so... But it it can be so often daunting because it feels like we need to really put this thing front and center for the period of time until we arrive. It's like, probably not going to (laughs) arrive. Right? Yeah. Yep. And you watch people on on social media. Yeah. It's almost like they feel like they have arrived and they're so excited and they usually become coaches because they are so excited and happy and they want everybody to feel that way. Yep. And you can usually spot them really quickly when they're not healthy in mind or body. And if if you don't spot it pretty fast, then don't worry because in like three years, they'll show up in your feed now as like an anti-dieter or yeah. <laughs> they'll go to some other extreme, right? Yeah. Because they realize that they took it to an extreme, but instead of kind of coming in the middle, they take it to another extreme. Yeah. So you can usually spot it pretty fast, but 
but we don't want anybody to go through those extremes. We want them to land somewhere in the middle. And I love how you, how you outlined that about landing somewhere in the middle looks different for everybody. And it is always going to be tied to somebody's value system Mm -hmm. and, and what that looks like for them. Yeah. And I think there are so many collective fitness values out there and other people's friends and families values and all these things that we need to sift through. And so our job as coaches is really to be like, this is like, we hold two things, right? We hold like, this is your process of getting through, of getting to your values, but also this is what evidence has taught us is going to push you in the right direction towards your goals and Mm -hmm. what is healthy and how to create that. And then we just constantly feed their evidence back into the evidence base. And that creates this really unique thing uh, where people create health. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Caleb, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? What what fun new things are you doing that you want to brag about? Yeah, I mean, I am on Instagram and we've kind of talked about it. Um, so I think my Instagram will be linked here. It's just at Caleb, Coach Caleb K. I almost don't even know. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, this is this direction that we've been talking about is new and budding. So it, uh, if you want to kind of come see how it develops and and see what's there. That would be great. And uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing people head over there and chat with me. I love chatting on Instagram. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Caleb. It's been awesome having you on here. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Lifting Lindsay podcast. If you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to send me a message at Lifting Lindsay on Instagram. If you are interested in my optimized training programs, go to liftinglindsay.com. I have example programs on there. You can see what you need if you're lifting at home or at the gym. We have three-day, four-day, and five-day programs on there as well. You have a wonderful week.